Good to see our visitors here this morning, each one. Folks from here local and folks from not so local, Lama and Amy, good to have you back from Nigeria visiting with us. Good to have Eldon back again here. This morning I'd like to to, uh, look at the attributes of a godly woman. Um, I'd like to look at that in light of, of it being Mother's Day. Psalm 149 verse 4 says, For the Lord taketh pleasure in His people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. That verse is saying that the Lord loves His people. He, he taketh pleasure in them. He, he, he likes them. Just like we as parents delight in our children, so the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He, you know, maybe saying that... Uh, Look at her, look at him. He's just learning to walk or talk, you know, spiritually or something. He's, he's, he's taking a special delight in his people. And, and I'd like to, to uh, make that more specific. He taketh delight in, in mothers like he did in Mary. He could have chosen another way to bring salvation to this earth besides through, through uh, you know, glorification of a woman in a, in a sense. Um, but he didn't. He chose, he chose Mary to bring the Son of God into the world. A mother. Proverbs 14.1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her house, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. A verse from the Old Testament just that it came to my mind thinking of how it's important that mothers take their role very seriously. They can either build a house, a wise woman buildeth her house, but it's also possible to actually actually destroy her house. So there's a potential there for either either way for a mother. And as a scriptural background, I'd like to look at 1 Peter 3.1 and also Titus 2.1. 1 Peter 3, uh, actually 1 through 6 and there's a word, there's a lot of word for husbands and fathers um, in this same passages. I'm not going to look at those, but they're there. And, and uh, the men don't get any kind of a free pass this morning. But we're going to be focusing on, on mothers and, and the, uh, the beautiful path that God has made for them. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may be may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the holy time, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. And then moving on to Titus 2. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise that they be in it behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, 
that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good and good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. In like a manner also, going on to verse 9, in like manner also that women adore, adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. So here's a scriptural background or basis for the message this morning. It's not my intent to offend anyone here this morning, any mother or sister. It's not my intent to squelch any personalities or to leave any sister or mother feeling overwhelmed. But my intent is, by the grace of God, to encourage our sisters in godliness, to refresh all of our minds um, in spiritual doctrine. You know, the ongoing evil culture that's around us, that the barrage of media and so forth, it can be mind-numbing. There's, a, there's a, an attack against what the Scripture's teaching here. We need encouragement. We need to encourage each other. We need to be reminded what God has in mind, what His plan is. His plan will work if we put it to practice and it will produce long-term um, benefits of happiness, of, of, of satisfaction, of godliness. And, and there's eternal reward, of course, of, of heaven. We need to be an encouragement uh, as brethren to our, to our sisters in this respect. And we also need to be, an, as brothers, we need to be aware of, of what uh, God's plan is. So the attributes of a godly woman, I'm going I'm to be looking at these here. Some of these will overlap. That's okay. It, it has a reinforcing effect when they do overlap. But I'm going to be looking through the, these, uh, going to look at these uh, verses uh, 4 and 5 of Titus, actually 3, 4, and 5, and, and be discussing these, these attributes. So looking at chaste conduct, what comes to my mind is discreet, good conduct. And this is a high calling, to be chaste. You know, when your conduct is closely observed, when it's chaste, it'll be pure. Be like a glass of water. You can see through it. It, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have dirt in it. It doesn't have impurities. It's spotless. There's no mud. A clear countenance. A countenance that reflects Creator God. A heart that's been cleansed with the washing of the water by the Word. There's no reason for shame. You're the king's daughter. You're a child of the king. It reminded, my mind went back to a song that I, that I enjoyed listening to growing up. And uh, it was done, I don't, I don't remember the group that did it. I looked it up on the internet this morning and, and couldn't find the group. But it starts out by, uh, by uh, and, and sounds like an elderly man singing and you hear the clunk, clunk of something going on. And he goes, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. And then pretty soon there's this clop, clop. Well, it comes along and, and this lady goes, who are you? you know, and, and he says, well, I'm 
He says, I'm a, and he's singing, I'm a child of the king. She listens. You're not a child of the king, she says. And uh, she, this, this goes on for a while. And, uh, and here it's a you know, very wealthy lady or maybe even a, a princess. And, and then he just keeps on singing. He sings this song then. And uh, she, she says, no, you, you can't be a child of the king. You're just a humble old ditch digger. And then he, he keeps on singing this song. He says, my father is rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands. Of rubies and diamonds, of silver and gold, his coffers are full. He has riches untold. I'm a child of the king, a child of the king. With Jesus, my savior, I'm a child of the king. My father's own son, the savior of men, once wandered on earth as the poorest of them. But now he is pleading our pardon on high, that we may be his when he comes by and by. I once was an outcast stranger on earth, a sinner by choice, and an alien by birth. But I've been adopted. My name's written down, an heir of salvation, the kingdom, and crown. Though poor on this earth, oh, why should I care? Since glorious things for me God doth prepare, though trials abound, yet still I may sing. All glory to God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King, a child of the King. With Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. You know, as mothers and sisters, and of course this is for all of us this morning, you're a child of the King. And when you think about that, that intrinsic value that comes from being a child of the King, um, you don't really have any reason to be going after the impurities that the king's enemy has to offer. So chaste conduct, discreet, no reason for shame. An intrinsic value, you know, it's a value that's real, that comes from, from knowing, from being. A beautiful heart, a heart adorned, not of the outward adorning, but with the eternal quality of a meek and quiet spirit. Not one to create disturbances or vie for attraction, not a drama queen. We've seen these drama queens, and uh, the world has way too many of these, and maybe drama kings as well. Um, but not a drama queen or one to draw attention to herself. A spirit of peacefulness and tranquility, demure in behavior, Gracious, projecting a spirit of grace and kindness to others. I think of Ruth quietly gleaning those sheaves or gleaning that grain out in the field that was missed. And, and you know, just going about her business. Think of uh, Rebecca drawing the water for Eliezer and for his camels and his men and then inviting them, you know, to their house. Um, being hospitable. She knew that what all goes with hospitality. There's a lot of work that goes with that, but she did that. And I think of the good ladies of our family, of our community here at Gladys, who, who work efficiently and selflessly in being homemakers, good school patrons, teachers, strong supporters of the work of the church. People that are there and, and uh, helpful and making things happen. Now think of it as a strong, this quiet and meek spirit, as a strong and scriptural characteristic of our Anabaptist faith. 
It's something that that we've uh, been taught, and we do well in keeping. There's no virtue in letting it go, for sure. And, and we, we do ourselves a huge favor by keeping it and teaching and, and holding on. Now this, this, is, this virtue, the meek and quiet spirit, it's under strong and sustained attack by worldly culture, by Hollywood, the spell of Hollywood, or selfish feminism, which is really not feminism at all. Uh, the meek and quiet spirit is a Christian quality. It's a Christ quality. The spirit of selflessness, not the spirit of sensuality or selfishness. It's the increasing, the spirit of an increasing desire to know Christ. And then moving on to reverent behavior, righteous behavior. Behavior that projects the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Galatians 5.22 speaks of these. Again, this is, these attributes don't just happen. It's a high calling. It's a higher calling than any one of us can reach. Any mother can possibly reach. But it's not impossible with the aid of the Holy Spirit. It is possible, I should say, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to have these fruits. It's part of being, not of acting. It's part of being, being in Christ and, and that, that goodness coming forth, coming out. Possessors of godly integrity, not false accusers, not given to slandering or tearing down of, other char- of others' characters or reputations. Now, this doesn't mean that godly mothers are not going to be wise. They're not going to give cautions. They're not, that they're not going to be blind to evil or dangers. I think mothers have a special, godly mothers have a special intuition that, that uh, maybe exceeds the intuition of, of many brothers. Um, you know, sees dangers where sometimes fathers and sons don't see them. And we do well. Um, I would say as young men and young ladies, you do well to listen up when your mothers speak to you, when they have issues uh, about something or someone um, and they give advice. Maybe it's about that other person you're very interested in or so forth. When they give advice, it's, I would encourage you to listen up. Mothers, uh, godly mothers have ways of seeing things that, that you can only uh, imagine maybe. And maybe that you'll understand someday when you get older. Godly wives as well. But, again, this means that though being a being, uh, Possessors of godly integrity means that they'll in no way or by no means taint or mar another person's reputation, reputation simply out of, out of self-ambition or, or uh, selfishness. They may give warning, but uh, that's not the same as, as slandering. 
sober and industrious, not drunkards. The Apostle Paul seems to have been speaking, or actually Titus here seems to have been speaking to the setting. Actually, I'll move back. It was Titus, yeah. He says, uh, one of the, themselves, even a prophet of their own, say the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This is what he said about the Cretans. And, and, and uh, here he's saying that um, they're not, they should not be drunkards. I believe that's being, you know, the opposite of that would be sober and industrious, not given to self-indulgence. Not living a lazy and selfish lifestyle. And there's a more positive way of putting this, maybe living a life of purpose and godly fulfillment. Finding fulfillment in the service of others. And then modestly apparelled. Apparel that covers, I believe, godly women, godly mothers, Godly sisters and mothers will encourage us. Um, encourage apparel that covers and conceals as God designed in the garden. Now, what is that? Apparel that's designed to cover the body. Apparel that projects discretion and purity. Apparel that bespeaks a quietness and meekness. Apparel that will project the dignity of God will project the dignity that God intends for every creature made in His image. There's that thing about dignity. And when apparel doesn't project, doesn't bring about dignity, produce a dignity, maybe it's not the right kind of apparel. Apparel that encourages focus to be encourages focus to the character and person instead of encouraging objectification. You know, there's, there's no dignity in being carnally objectified. And I would say this, young sisters, look to godly women in your life to give you direction in this respect. You know, ask your mothers the following question or a godly woman in your life the following question. How do I clothe myself in a dignified manner worthy of a daughter of God? How do I clothe myself so people look at me as a person made in the image of her creator and, and see me for my value as a person and not in a carnal way? I think that's an important question that, that needs to be faced. Subject and obedient to their own husbands. John MacArthur comments on this verse obedient. The idea of radical feminism were an integral part of the ancient Babylonian and Assyrian mythology as well as of the Greek Gnosticism, which flourished throughout the Roman Empire during New Testament times and posed a constant danger to the early church. Modern feminism is neither new nor progressive. It is age-old and regressive. Modern feminism is neither new. It's been around a long time. Maybe in different, maybe it's been called different things, but it's been around a long time. And he says it's age old and regressive. And we could, there could be easily be a sermon preached just on this 
last statement that it's age old and regressive. But we don't have time for there. For that, I'm not going there now. But I'd like to look at at this this thing of subject and obedient to their own husbands. Being subject may not be easier. It may not even seem natural. Paul addresses the husbands and he commands them to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So I'd, I would say this, that subject, you know, if you put together the, this formula, subject and obedient love plus selfless love direct and direction based on God's word. So you have the wife being subject and obedient and she projects that with love. And then you have the husband giving selfless love and direction based on God's word as Christ loved the church. There you have the equal would be a solid foundation for a marriage and for a family. You have a, a base to build a, uh, a very long-term and successful relationship on. Regressive is a word that can be used when any of these uh, uh, ingredients aren't found in the substance of a marriage. A power-sharing union or a servant-to-spouse union. You know, these can go both ways. It can be servant-to-spouse, can be wife-to-husband, or it can be husband-to-wife. I've seen them both go both ways. Uh, or a cohabitation union doesn't do justice to the plan God intended for marriage. And it's not what God would want for a godly woman or mother. God's plan is that wives be subject to their own, own possessive singular husbands. One man for, or one woman for one man. Sarah is brought up as an example. It says she called Abraham Lord. <clears throat> Not because Abraham was perfect. We know he wasn't perfect. Um, or that he always made the right decisions. We know that that didn't happen. Or because she didn't call him Lord, it doesn't appear like she did that she uh, called him Lord because he was mean or he demanded that she call, give him that title. It seemed that Abraham and Sarah had a healthy, loving relationship. She was a helpmeet for him. I believe her decision was based on that she respected and she accepted God's given role in her life. And she accepted God's given role for Abraham in her life. And so she called him Lord. Obedient to their husbands. God calls the married women to be responsible to one man. And I believe, and this attribute, I believe, can begin and does well to begin with the daughters respecting and obeying her father. There's a one man in her life. She respects and obeys him. I believe if you young ladies, young girls, um, if you wish to be a godly wife and mother, you do well in starting there, being respectful and obedient to your fathers. It's a good place to start, being a godly daughter. <clears throat> An excellent place to begin. Teachers and admonishers of godliness. Moving on from being obedient to obediently reaching out to helping others. Maturing on from a life of embracing godliness to that of promoting the principles of godliness. 
through teaching, and more importantly, through faithful example. Willing to take responsibility, encourage, and admonish each other in faithful, loving service. Um, wives, mothers, and sisters, godly wives, mothers, and sisters do this. And the Bible encourages them to do this. And it's something that you can grow in, being sister encouragers. I appreciate of what, what I see of this in our congregation. Sisters encouraging others. Of course, brothers doing the same. Homemakers, household administration, keepers at home. And it takes a lot to manage a house and make it into a home. It takes a lot. Only a godly woman can be mom, washerwoman, schedule maker, cook, organizer of jobs according to the children's sundry abilities or various abilities. You know, the nurse that's fixing the owies and ouchies and school bus driver. Uh, the most, value, most valued advisor to her husband, hostess, gardener, canner, discipliner of the children, plus a hundred, or I should maybe say a million of other things. You know, I suppose mothers can do this if they're, even if they're not godly or if, even if they don't know the Lord, but there surely can't be the same blessing in it as when there's a godly mother, a mother that knows the Lord and is doing it for the glory of God, for her Creator. Being a homemaker and a mother is God's most noble design for a woman. And we as brothers have responsibilities then in helping our mothers, our sisters, um, take on this responsibility. We as Christian brothers should respect and encourage our sisters in, in growing these godly attributes. We should be protecting them from the cultural pressures, the cultural pressures of the ungodly society. You know, by being godly men ourselves and placing value on what God values, we help our sisters to, to be encouraged in, in being what they should be. By admiring godly characteristics in, in other women, you know, it's if, uh, if we as brothers fail in this area, if we admire the wrong things, if we admire Hollywood characteristics, we're not being very helpful to, to, our, to our wives, our mothers, our sisters in, in taking, um, fulfilling their most holy calling. We need to admire the good things, the godly things as brothers and husbands. <clears throat> a woman that fears the Lord will be praised. And she is worthy of praise. Proverbs 31 says this, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that she shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Faith, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. A woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. She is worthy of praise. 
You know, it's a joy to me to observe marriages where the wife is worthy and the husband gives recognition. And it's not the ooey-gooey stuff that, you know, culture would try to promote. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with ooey-gooey stuff between couples, but, you know, we've become a, a world of exhibitionism. It's on Facebook, it's everywhere, you know, the ooey-gooey stuff. And, and I'm not saying that, I'm not here to, to uh, say where that stops and starts, but, you know, to observe a couple that's been married for, for years, and you see that deep-seated respect between husband and wife. You see, just by the way they look at each other, that there's a, they understand each other even when they're not talking. I've seen that often. I admire that. That's, that's, that's uh, a real blessing to see. It's a joy to observe this. It's an encouragement. The virtuous woman is a treasure. Matthew 13, 44, and I don't believe I'm taking this verse out of context here, although Jesus was talking about something else, but it applies here as well. It says, The kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hidden in a field, and which when a man hath found it, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all he hath, and buyeth that field. So there is talking of the kingdom of heaven, but I think it can be said the same uh, for, a, for a husband who, or for the young man who's, who's found the Miss, Mrs. Wright or Miss Wright, um, that he's finding a treasure. Uh, Psalm 18.22 says, Whoso findeth a woman a wife, findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Finding a wife, finding the godly woman, is finding a treasure and is worth um, treasury is worth treasuring and, and taking care of and, and uh, protecting. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Her, her price is far above rubies. Whoso hath a good mother hath a good thing. Whoso hath a good wife hath a good thing. And sister hath a good thing. It is wise that husbands, brothers, and fathers give their best for, for them. Well, today I'm thankful again for godly mothers in our midst and godly sisters. And I wish you all a very, very happy Mother's Day. God bless you.